Well, folks, uh, after a long time about thinking about this day coming, um, I'm finally here, folks, with the Go Be Great pod, episode one. Uh, hopefully, have a long-lasting podcast. Uh, I'm really excited about this one, folks. Like I said, I've been thinking about doing this for a while. Um, today's episode, I'm just going to go into a lot of MLB talk, um, obviously, uh, if you guys know me, which I'm guessing if you're listening to the first podcast, um, I am a huge Yankee fan. And uh, the way the MLB lockout has went has been pretty upsetting for me. Um, it's always felt like they were not trying to get a deal in order, um, which is really unfortunate. I mean, there's just a lot of baseball fans in general out there hoping for their their sport to make a return and doesn't seem like it's necessarily going to happen at least uh, for the foreseeable future and maybe for the whole month of April. So I'm going to get into that uh, in a little bit more depth. Um, Later on today, a lot of college basketball being played, like I said, some conference championships going on, some conference quarterfinals and semis as well. Uh, as well as the major conferences finishing up their regular season. Uh, Namely, for me, as a North Carolina fan, we have Duke on the schedule. Obviously, it is Coach K's uh, last game at Cameron Indoor, which should be a big spectacle. Uh, If you turn on ESPN, they've been talking about that all day pretty much. So that should be pretty great. Um, Obviously, next week is all of the big conferences playing their uh, conference tournaments, which I will be in attendance of the uh, Atlantic Coast Conference, the ACC, as as most of you actually know it, um, at the Barclays Center. And uh, I'll also be going to the Big East Championship over at the Garden uh, on Saturday night, which I think is going to be an amazing game. Um, You know, either it's going to be some some out of the three teams, you know, I think UConn, Providence, and Villanova. I'm not really sure how the bracket is even looking, honestly. So not sure what matchup is the most likely, but I do know that I'm really excited for that one. Um, but today's episode, like I said, MLB, a little bit of college basketball. Um, NFL Combine has been making some news, but I have it on my list. Not even necessarily sure that I'm going to get to it. Uh, one thing that me, Anthony, and Colin used to do on What a Hardo, um, and shout out to those guys because I wouldn't be doing this pod without, um, you know, having that experience and really understanding that talking sports, which is something a lot of guys like to do. You know, some ladies, uh, you know, they talk about what's going on in their lives and know what guys they like and a lot of other stuff and a way for us to really bond together is to talk about sports I know it's always been like that at least for me and my friends you know a common occurrence for us is you know we hang out flip on a game and not much talking you know we talk about the game not really about what's going on with us personally but that's just the way that we bond together so you know, uh, unfortunately, the What a Hardo podcast um, has not been, you know, we haven't been putting those out. 
Um, now, unfortunately, I guess just for me, unfortunately for all three of us, because, you know, we, we used to get to, that was our time to talk about sports, you know, um, the guys, we would always say it's a good joke. You know, we would always turn on our, you know, we should have turned on the microphone in the pre-pod meeting talking about what we were going to go over because that was so organic for us. And then, you know, we, we still did a pretty good job with it. And, you know, we ultimately ended up going out on like our highest note. We had Seth Greenberg on the show um, through some low, uh, through some connections through Ant which I mean, that may be like the highlight of my career. And, you know, you ne never know when you're going to get your best day in the career. And who knows, maybe that's the best guess we, I ever get personally. Um, but that was really awesome. Unfortunately, like I said, we don't put that out anymore. And it's not because we aren't friends or because, you know, we don't love talking sports with each other. Um, Colin and Ant have went on to be very successful in their lives. And uh, now it's time for me to go be successful and go be great in mind. So I'm just going to talk real quick before I get into what I'm going to talk about in the episode about how we got to this point. Um, so obviously, if you looked on the cover art of my pod, um, that is the old Yankee Stadium. Uh, that is the first place that I saw uh, my first sporting event. Um, when I was a young boy, my dad took me to um, opening day 2000, so I must have been six months old. Obviously, I don't remember that. I'd say the first game I really do remember is, uh, I believe it was a Randy Johnson start at the old stadium. We had some really good seats. Uh, they were playing the Diamondbacks, so that was a really really fond memory in my mind. Obviously, anytime you sit close at a baseball game, you really do remember those ones a little bit more. Um, so I wanted to put the cover art for now as Yankee Stadium, either old or new. I that picture is really awesome. Really, you know, the overhead is pretty sick. Um, and obviously, I'm not too great with graphics and more so a lot better at talking, writing. So when I can pay one of my friends to uh, make me a nice little graphic, specifically Miles, I know probably if I put this up on my story, Miles will definitely tune in. So shout out to you, my brother. Uh, thank you. You know, I have a lot of thank yous to say, honestly. I know I mentioned, you know, three of my best friends already. Um, another two guys that I have to thank are my boys, Brian and Ethan, uh, Sports in a Box podcast. Honestly, I've been saying for a while that I'm going to put out a pod and unfortunately for whatever reason, you know, some confidence issues in myself and, you know, just sometimes putting it off or sometimes thinking, Oh, I'll do that another day or another week. And then all of a sudden, you know, you haven't been putting out stuff for a while. Um, but those guys started up their pod recently and they're doing a great job with it. And uh, they needed a little bit of help, you know, just showing them, I showed, went over a couple of weeks ago, maybe, I guess by now, it must be almost a month and a half now, and just showed Ethan and Brian, you know, what to do with the uh, editing side of things. They definitely don't need any help in terms of talent or content. Um, obviously, like I said, in our group of friends, we frequently talk sports, so 
it's nothing that they haven't been doing forever anyway. They just got some nice stuff, you know, some nice equipment and uh, Ethan got a nice little new laptop as well. So they're really doing a great job. And I think that day going over there, I was like, damn, man, I really got to start doing this because if I don't, you know, I'm studying sports media in school. If I don't put myself out there, like, what am I going to do? You know, what am I going to show people? Like, obviously, when they meet me, I think, you know, I've always held myself in a high regard. And I think I'm pretty talented at this. And hopefully I get to do it at the highest level, uh, either talking sports or I really want to do play by play broadcasting either. Uh, obviously, like I've been mentioning, baseball is my favorite sport. So baseball would be awesome, but definitely wouldn't be opposed to a lot of other sports as well. I've gotten some reps at uh, lacrosse at college, which has been a lot of fun. It's high paced game, a game that I understand. Fortunately, you know, I'm not out there just uh, going by the, uh, the seam of my pant. So um, shout out to those guys. Shout out to my family because I you know, wouldn't be doing much of anything in life without them. Um, and recently, I think they've seen that I've been a little down um, and they've been encouraging me to just keep going. And, uh, you know, I, I put I haven't like I said, I've been saying to myself for a while that I'm going to put out my pop. And I've also mentioned it to a few friends, but not really that many. And then um, recently I've been talking about it with my mom and grandma specifically. And they've really been pushing me to, you know, just try to sit down and record. Um, and here I am, you know, 4 a.m. of course, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a definitely a guy that can uh, stay up late and get some, some of his best work done, unfortunately, in the wee hours of the morning. Um, so shout out to my mom and grandma and really all, like I said, all of my family, without them, uh, there would be no go be great pod. There would be uh, much of anything at all. So um, shout out to them. And uh, shout out to a lot of my friends that I've made over my uh, time in college and high school that really made me uh, realize how much I, I do really love sports. Um, you know, I, I went to a Catholic high school in New Jersey where, um, you know, I played football. Unfortunately, I got cut from baseball, which, you know, maybe that's a story for another day on the pod. Um, but I ended up playing football there uh, after, you know, only playing one year of youth football. And, um, you know, going in as like a 5'10", lanky like 155 pound soaking wet kid that had never played the sport before and I joined late too I joined in um like the middle of July which you know at our school uh football is a 12-month commitment like if you didn't commit to it for 12 months realistically you weren't giving yourself a very good chance to get on the field um I really loved baseball so much to the point where I played club and, in hopes of making the team the next year. And, you know, I tried out all three years of my, you know, obviously you don't try out senior year for anything. So I tried out all three years for baseball, all three years didn't make it. 
Um, I was on the football team and I just have so many amazing memories from my teammates, my coaches really um, made me love the game of football more than I already did really put it up there with, with baseball for me. So uh, a couple of the guys definitely know who I'm talking about. Connor Hebler, uh, coach nuns. I mean, coach nuns uh, as a role model, I don't know if you can get a much better guy than that. Um, and a couple of other guys that just, you know, showed what it was to work hard and go get something done. And, you know, at Bergen, we had a couple of games and some, even some years in total where we were not the better team on the field and it never mattered. We always just had a, a tough, gritty attitude about us. And, you know, I personally never played outside of a couple of uh, garbage time snaps my senior year. Um, but I was always accepted by every guy on the team. You know, there was never, you know, whether you were a guy one, one or a guy 110, uh, you mattered to the program just as much. And I think, you know, they always used to preach to us, this is what life is going to be like. You know, you learn so many lessons of fo- uh, on the football field that you can go and apply to your life. And uh, I learned a lot about my life there. And even to this day, when I think about things that were said or things that happened there, you know, sometimes I, I don't didn't get it at first or even when, you know, the coaches would say that this will apply to your life in the future. Sometimes you'd be like, oh, yeah, OK, like whatever, like, all right, buddy, like you're just preaching to the choir. Right. And now I look back on it at. 21 22 i'm like damn i really wish that i took it a little more serious there honestly because i knew i didn't have the talent to play even if i did work really hard at it um but you know i just think wow you know those are some of the best times of my life regardless and um yeah i mean playing sports is part like going to be part of my life forever. You know, I just recently picked up golf uh, starting in May 2020. Um, And obviously that's a sport you can play until you physically can't move anymore. I still play baseball with my friends um, in a men's league, somewhat competitive men's league. You know, we're not out here throwing uh, slow pitch softball or anything, but we have a couple of good, good guys. You know, all the guys that I grew up playing with, when we were playing travel ball as 10 year olds all the way up until 17. So um, I'm trying to get to the point of how we got to this pod. Obviously you're going to see, I think on these, on these pods that sometimes it's going to go off on maybe a tangent. Maybe that's just how I am. Maybe I need to get a little bit better on staying, you know, staying on topic, but I'm going to try to, uh, work through with you guys and like I said I haven't been putting this pot out but I've definitely thought about it in my head almost a million times over the last like I want to say almost a year um so I gotta get better at it you know this is what I want to do in life and the only way you can get better is by practicing at it 
by working hard at it. And that's what I intend to do. Um, I was congratulating people or thanking people, excuse me. One more person I have to thank specifically by name is uh, Jordan Banks, who gave me the name for the pod, Go Be Great. Uh, don't know if I'm going to keep it forever. Um, I do like it for now because it's like a message to me, um, to myself, you know, to just not care what people are going to say, you know, everyone's, you know, I, I don't really care what everyone thinks. I do care uh, what the people who are really listening to me think and what my family thinks. And, you know, other than that, I really care the most about what I think about myself, you know, and I won't be, I won't, you know, I won't lie to you guys over the pandemic. Obviously everyone's got on a lot of time to think. And I realized that maybe I need to work on that aspect of life of thinking that I am good enough to do stuff that I can, you know, succeed at what I want to do. So shout out to Jordan. Obviously he gave me the name kind of as like a, just a suggestion. I don't, you know, I feel like we talked about this maybe like, six seven months ago uh maybe 10 months ago i feel like it was in may or june of 2020 where you know and like i said i've been talking about this for a while to some people and never really pulled the trigger so here we are finally um i'm really excited uh in terms of a schedule for the pod i'm not really sure for right now um Obviously, like I've been saying for the last 20 minutes or so, this has been um, this has been a thing that I've been looking forward to and doing, and I really haven't gotten myself there until like very recently. And I, you know, once the MLB lockout stuff happened, I knew that this was it. Like, if if you don't jump in now, like then you're never getting in because this is, this is the perfect time to grab an audience. Um, obviously I know that my close friends and supporters and family are always going to support what I do no matter what. And at the end of the day, you know, this is on you guys. You guys have been telling me that I'm talented enough to do it. Uh, <laughs> I don't really mean to like threaten anybody or, you know, make you guys nervous, but, um, I get either I am talented enough to do it and we're about to go on a crazy ass journey uh, to the top, which is what I've been thinking and dreaming about for a long time, or I'm going to try hard at it for a bit and I'm going to realize that maybe this wasn't the right thing for me and I have to go, you know, pivot and figure out the next move, but either way we're moving life forward. So uh thank you guys like i've been saying um i'm really excited i don't want to get myself in over my head so i don't want to say that i'm going to do like two a week or anything but i think that's a really good place to get to uh i'm going to try out by saying i'm going to do one a week for now because like i said i don't want to get overwhelmed and the worst thing that i could do is tell you guys I'm going to be here two times a week and, you know, you guys are waiting, you know, who knows how many followers uh, we end up with, you know, at the end of one episode and two episodes and three and four, 
But just for those, you know, few people who are listening, like if you're expecting me to drop every Friday night, Saturday morning, just say, because that's what I'm doing right now. Um, and I'm not there. Then you're going to be like, well, what the hell just happened? And then my podcast goes down the drain because I'm not being consistent. Um, that's not what I want to do. So I'm going to start out with one per week. And if I get to two, I think that's really optimal because um, once it gets to football season, like that's a perfect way to just, you know, recap what happened in the NFL the week before, like, and drop that on a Tuesday morning after Monday night football. Like I said, I'm a big night owl, like I'm recording this at 4.15 a.m. So, um, you know, just start the pod right after Monday night football drop it Tuesday morning and then uh, preview the next week and drop that Friday or Saturday, uh, Friday, because I'll definitely want to be talking about college football as well. Um, so we'll see what happens. We're going to try to get there. And obviously another integral part of this pod is going to be what happens with the MLB season. So let's get into it. Um, so major league baseball um, is currently in a, a very grave state of danger. Um, unfortunately, we are about three months into a uh, owners imposed lockout. I actually think um, the CBA, the last CBA, expired on December 2nd, and today is March 5th. So, yeah, we're three months into this MLB owners imposed lockout. And um, obviously, this is a one-man pod. I don't have any host to go off of. I, I'm the producer as well. So you guys got to bear with me. I'm sure I will be getting somewhat of, I don't want to say like a co-host like schedule, because I don't think I'm going to get one for every episode. Definitely not. Um, I'm going to try to get a few. I also want to try to interview a couple of people that I have in my network of, you know, sports people, um, even, you know, just friends that are also doing the same stuff. Like I'd love to have Ethan and Brian on talk about what, you know, they're doing with their pod, um, you know, co-host mine once or twice between the both of them. I'd obviously also love to have Ant and Colin uh, here and there when they have time because we both all three of us flow so well off of each other um and they would really bring the dynamic of the show up but for now like i said i'm producing i'm self-hosting so i've written out a couple of questions here that i feel like i have to answer for you guys if i'm you know talking about the mlb lockout so my first question that i uh written that i have written down is how have we gotten here um and like I was saying, you know, December 2nd was uh, the date that the old CBA um, ran out. So obviously the MLB season ended in November um, with the Dodgers World Series championship. Um, and what has happened from there has been pretty disgusting, in my opinion, from the owners. Um the last thing that you want as an owner of a major league sports team, 
I would think at least is to not have the product on the field the next season, especially when you're complaining. And this is like the owner's number one thing is that baseball is losing popularity. And I guess to some extent, maybe it is right. Like uh, you can go out there. You know, if you're a kid right now, right. You have your phone. You're right on the internet at the, you know, right on your fingertips. And this is like a, we're in a content driven world. You go on Twitter and you can go and see, you know, Tyreek Hill run a four, two, five down the sideline for an 80 yard touchdown. And you could see, you know, all these cool football hits and, you know, Steph Curry, you know, the other day I was doing his warm-up regimen where he took a shot, you know, he was taking floaters and then he took a step back and then he was taking like eight floaters and then he took a step back and he was taking a mid-range uh, free throw shot and then he took a step back and took like a 15-footer and then he took a step back and it was the top of the key three and he got all the way out to half court and then back in like Baseball doesn't necessarily have that. Yeah, we have, you know, homers. And during the season, yeah, baseball is popular. But also you have to look at it in the scope of the NBA season is in the playoffs. So, yeah, they're talking about NBA playoffs and the beginning of the MLB season. And then the NBA playoffs are over in June. And then there's like a couple of months there where baseball kind of dominates. Yeah, there's talk about OTAs and, you know, some preseason stuff with football. But, like, last year when Shohei Otani was, you know, the modern-day Babe Ruth hitting home runs, throwing to a three ERA uh, on the pitcher's mound, um, it was hard to think, like, yeah, baseball is losing popularity. But now here we are where the product – is not on the field and there's no no real uh end date of this lockout in sight and um this is kind of why so december 2nd the cba is ran out and instead of going right to the negotiating table or you know like i said the season ended in november and realistically for the last two weeks of the season because you know, the last two series are seven-game series, so there's only four teams playing for the last three weeks or so. So everyone's season, for the most part, was done October 15th or earlier, right? So there's a month and a half just there for 28 owners to take care of, you know, figuring out how do we not have the product uh, be damaged by missing opening day, right? They don't want to talk about it during the season and they don't talk about it from November to December 2nd. Then from December 2nd until January 10th, so another five to six weeks or so, the MLB owners do not talk to the Players Association at all. For what reason? I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, to me, especially with the way things ended last Monday, um, it really seems like they needed some of that time to figure out how they could meet in the middle 
because where you know what the owners are proposing and what the players want yeah it's close but it's not close enough that they found a compromise on time to miss opening day so to me it seemed like you know those five weeks where they didn't talk and then you know it really ended up being two months because what happened next was at that threshold of january 10th they decided that they were going to offer something terrible which was on purpose because you know it's negotiating i understand it's business you don't want to give them you know a really good offer that they can then counter and you have to meet in the middle where you know offering too much i guess is what i'm trying to say so uh they offer and then will be players union decides to shut it down um the next thing that happens is on uh, a couple weeks later on let's see i'm reading this cbs baseball article Let's bear with it for a second on january 13th to jumpstart negotiations I guess I just said that um, they proposed something not well received by the union. Um, it only included an increase to the minimum salary and it implemented a new draft lottery system. Two weeks later, on January 25th, the two sides meet and the union rejects everything that the league proposes. Not good. And this is where everyone's like, okay, now our worst worries of missing games and spring training being delayed is really looking like a strong possibility. Then February 1st, and uh, they meet one more time, and then MLB requests a federal mediator. And that's when it didn't, you know, not only did it not look good, my thoughts really shifted to like, okay, they are about to start missing not only spring training, but it seems likely that they are going to not play games in the regular season either. Um, I By this point, and I think even now, like I don't think they're going to miss the whole season. I Maybe that's just the fan in me praying to God that, you know, they find a way to get us, you know, as normal of a season as they can, which – Obviously, I would love to see 162 games played. Uh, I think the best best part about baseball is, you know, in these other sports, you know, if you're a fan of the team, um, you know, like football, your team plays on Sunday. And then, you know, there's a whole week where nothing happens but talking about what happened the last week and looking forward to the next. But in baseball, there's not really a lot of time to dwell on what happened yesterday. And what's going to happen tomorrow because you have a game today, you know, and when the end of that nine innings is up, it happened, it's over with, guess what? Tomorrow's another day. Tomorrow's another nine innings. And I think that's the best part about it is uh, like as a fan, you know, you get to enjoy your day, you know, a couple innings. If you, you know, if you're a common fan, you sit through a couple of innings of your team's game. Maybe you go to bed. Maybe you got other stuff to do. But for diehards like me, man, you know, that game's on at 7 o'clock. Like, I'm in my seat, 6.55, depending on, you know, if I'm really trying to get into, like, the pregame. You know, I, personally, I'm a big fan of 
Bob Lorenz and Jack Curry and all the guys that go on uh, the pregame on yes for the Yankees. You know, we had Buck Showalter last season. To me, like, that's the best part. Like, that's the part that brings me back to being a kid, you know, rushing home for spring training when games would start at 1 o'clock and I'd get home at 3. And I would be watching, you know, people I have never heard of playing spring training baseball for the Yankees in, like, 2006 when I'm, like, a 7-year-old coming home from second grade. You know, that's what it brings me back to is, like, I – like I'm an everyday fan, like just in and out, you know, today, this guy went over three, but tomorrow, like he's going to turn it around. I, that's the best part for me personally. And, you know, there's definitely a point where, and I think if it doesn't come up in this CBA, which I think maybe it should, and it should definitely come up in the next one is how are they going to, realistically keep it at 162 like for as you know me saying yeah i love it well i'm a diehard fan you don't have to worry about keeping the diehard fans in baseball because they're they'll always be here regardless like if you didn't leave in the last five years where you know the astros cheating scandal and rob manfred called the uh world series trophy a piece of metal and you know Everyone was upset with his dealing of the uh, Astros uh, scandal and stuff like that. Like, you're never going to leave, right? But we have to worry about how are we going to get these younger kids in? Because like I was referring to before, there's a lot more entertainment aspect in the game of basketball and the game of football and even the game of soccer. And like, how do we... How do we compete against those guys? How do we get those kids to come play our sport, to come consume our product, to make their families come to see us play in the middle of June when school's out and stuff like that, you know? And unfortunately for MLB, and you can tell they're not worried about that stuff. And that's the stuff that's going to keep the game moving forward. That's the stuff that's going to, you know, you're worried about popularity. That's the shit that's going to drive the popularity of the sport up. So, you know, unfortunately, um, once, you know, the uh, arbitrator was mentioned, like I said, I knew it wasn't looking great. Um, on February 18th, they announced that they're going to delay spring training one week. I mean, I don't understand the per. This whole thing with the MLB owners has been really sad. Like I've been saying, like you're announcing the delay of spring training for one week. Meanwhile, you have offered to the players union twice in three and a half months. Like all you're doing is announcing shit that we already knew was going to happen and that you already knew was going to happen. And you're just trying to make it seem like this isn't something that you actually want. Um, so from February 18th, we have that announcement. Finally, February 21st, the Players Union and the league office and the owners uh, meet in Jupiter, Florida at Roger Dean Stadium. Um, and I think this is like the funniest shit, right? Like, so these guys go there for 10 days, right? 
And there's a couple of players, you know, big time players like Andrew Miller from the St. Louis Cardinals and formerly of the New York Yankees. Uh, Max Scherzer, obviously, I don't have to name who he's played for. Um, he's one of the biggest stars of the game. And a couple of other guys, you know, for, I noticed Francisco Lindor was down there. I noticed Brent, you know, was ended up somehow being a lot of Mets guys for whatever reason. Saw Brandon Nimmo was down there. Um, you know, a couple of others that I'm probably missing. Um, so they go down there and right, they're supposed to be meeting with the owners. But they're literally like, I mean, I don't know exactly for sure, but they're one one side is on like the third base dugout or the third base clubhouse and the other side's on the first base clubhouse and they're like walking people back and forth to negotiate for 40 minutes at a time and go. I just think the whole thing is stupid. Like at, at that point, just do it over Zoom, right? Like if you can't sit in a room together for longer than four hours to try to bang something out, at a time and then you know go get lunch come back whatever and like what are you guys doing right somehow the worst of all this has yet to come because um last sunday yeah so sunday night uh i forget exactly what the date is here i believe it's february 28th so february 28th at midnight is the deadline um, for opening day to not be uh, delayed. And the whole day from 10 a.m. until, you know, it's getting close to the deadline now. It's like 10, 30, 11. All of a sudden, the narrative is changing. It seems like the teams and the players are getting close to a deal and they're meeting in the middle on the, uh, on the CBT threshold. and the luxury tax is being discussed and all of a sudden it's they're making it seem like, Oh my God, we might have a deal all the way to the point that um, most of baseball Twitter is like up and awaiting John Heyman, Bob Nightingale, you know, the big baseball reporters to tell us what we've been hoping for and what never ever seemed really likely, which was that the season was going to be on. Um, and somehow a uh, deadline that the owners imposed, of course, gets moved back from midnight to 5 p.m. the next day, and they leave Florida with no agreement. Um, so that's a lot to unpack, right? Like a lot of time has passed with not a lot of things going on. Um, so I have a couple more questions written down here as I took a lot of time talking about how we got here. Um, so whose fault is this? Is it split? Uh, is it all on the owners or is it all on the players? And in my opinion, it is a hundred percent on the owners. Um, listen, at the end of the day, you could say what you want about professional athletes, right? Like in basketball with the whole, you know, player empowerment movement you can and you know you could force a trade like james harden recently did you know russell westbrook's getting paid 48 million dollars like isn't that a crazy amount like yeah it is but 
Have you ever heard how much these owners of the sports teams are making? No, you never have, right? They don't have to talk about how much money they've made over their time being an owner of the of a major sports team. So for people to say, oh, you MLB players are being so greedy. What do you what do you mean? Yeah, you want to say like you're talking, you know, obviously some of the guys who were there negotiating like Max Scherzer, like a Garrett Cole. Yeah, like those guys are getting paid a lot of money to go out there and start. Like if Garrett Cole makes uh, if Garrett Cole makes 31 starts this year, he's getting paid $1.1 million or so per start, right? Yeah, that guy. But we're not talking about that guy. We're talking about the guy that's on the end of the bench, like Tyler Waite, who's making $500,000 and getting taxed on that, obviously. So, you know, take it down to about 350 k And like, yeah, that is still an amazing salary like you're gonna be fine living off that you know at least while you're still a player but those guys careers don't last that long like you know if you're a guy like Tyler Wade and obviously he's maybe gonna go on and you know be a utility guy for somebody else or maybe they bring him back I I don't really know in terms of the Yankees because right now like I said they're not they're not agreeing to anything so because of that the whole free agency hasn't even happened yet which i'm going to get to that in a few minutes um those guys careers could end at any time like one injury and it's more so on the pitching side but like one injury to these guys who are filling the rosters and one injury to a guy who's playing on the rockies and you know while they're going 60 and 100 like those guys careers end and then what? What uh, like some of them didn't go to college because they went right into professional baseball. Some of those guys have now spent four, five, six years because if you think about it, right, you don't just end up on an MLB team. Like if you're filling that roster spot and you're one of the minimum salary guys. You probably just spent five or six years of your life in the minors where, by the way, you're making uh, $40,000 a year, like maximum $70,000 a year. And that inc- like you have to pay for your own housing. So most of the, those guys live together, right? Like these are not people who are well off in life until they get to the majors and they finally get a normal salary. And then all of a sudden, after one contract, you know, even sometimes two years, so, uh, you know, the minimum last last season was five hundred sixty-five thousand, I believe. Yeah, one point one million dollars seems like a lot, but the people who are negotiating are billionaires who aren't trying to raise the money in baseball to make it more popular and therefore make themselves more like more money. So I'm not really sure how it all works because by meeting the players agreement or getting close to their number and, you know, meeting very close to the middle, 
it's gonna make the sport better it's gonna in the end make them more money too so i'm not really sure that i understand where the owners are coming from that they won't meet them in the middle or get close to their you know 30 million dollar increase of the uh luxury tax and you know the competitive balance threshold has to go up and uh they want to bring the uh like i was saying before the 565,000 minimum salary up to 700k and you know you also have to think about unfortunately we're going through a time where in our country uh inflation is kind of a crazy thing where we've seen you know oil and gas prices really skyrocketing with um you know the conflicts going on uh in ukraine where uh vladimir putin is unfortunately trying to take over the country with his russian forces um you know we're living through a crazy time so you know it's like I said, $1.1 million over two years for some guy making the vet min seems like a lot, but that's the same guy for the last six years who was making 40,000 playing for double a, you know, Trent and double a Somerset, you know, going through it just to get to this point to then, you know, have two years on you know, on a major league roster. And now they have to figure their life out at 31 because they barely have enough money, you know, to last them one year without a job and they got to go figure out what to do next. And, you know, it's a crazy world out there. So I think, I think like I've been saying, I think this one's a hundred percent on the owners. I think they've got to meet the players about as close to, or exactly what they're offer, what they're asking for. Cause I don't think they're asking for anything crazy. And I think, you know, right now, like where the, what they're saying, yeah, maybe it seems like a big increase, but in six years when this, you know, agreement ends, it's going to look, you know, maybe a little cheap or like spot on. So I think the owners would be very smart to try to get baseball back on the field um, because a couple of my other questions include is college baseball KBO, which is the Korean baseball league that kind of took off when, um, you know, the MLB was canceled due to, or was shortened due to COVID-19. Um, and they were playing, uh, I believe their season started in May of 2020 that year and they were playing, you know, with the time difference games were starting at like 1am and 5am. And it was, it was a really cool thing. Like a lot of people got into that. Um, also the uh, Nippon professional baseball league out in Japan, like, are those going to be enough? And in my opinion, no, I don't. Um, unfortunately for those leagues and for college baseball, like I've been tuning into a couple of these college baseball games that have been getting underway here in the early season. Uh, just the the level of talent difference is glaring. Even the difference of the KBO and the MLB, like you could tell, and I'm not saying that they're not good baseball players. They definitely are. Even in college, great baseball players. But the product 
does not compare to Major League Baseball. Those are the best, you know, if there's 30 teams and 26 players per team, those are the best, like, 810 guys in the world at this sport. You can't beat that anywhere else. Like, you can't get that anywhere else. So, to me, yeah, maybe some entertaining college baseball will happen. And, yeah, maybe there will be some cool stuff out of the two leagues out in Asia, KBO and MPB. And I don't think it's going to be enough. I really don't. Um, you know, I think we really need this team, uh, this this league to get back on the field. Um, I'm going to go through a couple of these questions really quick because I feel like I've taken a lot of time on this uh, topic now. Um, one big part of this is what happens to the minor leagues if the season gets shortened? Um, so right now, the minor leagues are prepared to go, uh, you know, as if everything is okay. And the reason they can do that is because minor league baseball is a separate entity from major league baseball. Um, those guys are not on the major leagues payroll. Uh, those teams take care of the payroll by themselves, which is exactly why those guys get paid uh, basically nothing to go be a professional baseball player. Um, but there's an interesting part about this. So say I'm on the 40-man roster of the New York Yankees, and this applies to multiple guys in the Yankees for this season, by the way. Say I'm a, 40, I'm a guy on the 40-man roster. And I was set to start the season in AAA. This would apply to Davey Garcia, um, Luis Heal, Luis Medina, uh, Esteban Florial, who that's an interesting situation given that Aaron Hicks has four more years on his contract. But I'll save Yankee talk for another day, especially when it is confirmed that the season is coming back. Um, Miguel Andujar, a couple other guys, right? So they're on the 40-man roster, and they're set to start the season in uh, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre for the Rail Riders. They are not allowed to play in AAA because under the CBA, they're major league players, and therefore they are locked out, which means they can't play for another team. Um, which Now, let me rephrase that. They cannot play for the minor leagues. So what does the rail ride, like what does a team like the rail riders do where Clark Schmidt was one of those guys? So that's, you know, that's a start every five days. And Luis Heal, that's a five, that's a start every five days. And Medina, that's another start. And your starting center fielder in Florial and Miguel Andujar, who is supposed to be staying hot for, you know, coming up to the major league roster and getting some work in at first base and third and the outfield and whatever like that. That's a lot of your team right there. So then you have to think about, okay, so they're going to bump up guys from double a. And then, so like, where does that cycle end? Like I, this is going to kill minor league baseball too, because if you think about it, right, you have to bring, couple of guys up from double a to fill your triple a hole and then you have to bring up a couple of guys from 
your single A team to fill your double A hole. And then all those single A teams are now screwed because they either have to find more guys to sign out of nowhere as the season's about to start, or they're just done. And we've already seen from COVID-19, we've lost 40 or so minor league affiliations. Um, and I don't think that's a good trend to have going forward in baseball. A um, couple of other ones that I had written down here are, oh, actually one more, and it's a pretty important one, I feel like. So what should the major league players do now that, you know, doesn't seem likely, you know, at this point they've only canceled two series, so about seven or eight games. Um, it doesn't seem likely. Like they have no deal on the table right now. It's March 5th. And they need at least a week to get all down to Florida or Arizona for spring training. And then another three, um, another three weeks just to have spring training games. So that's a month right there. So for now, we can't start until April 5th. And I don't think they're going to get a deal on the table at least for another week. So let's just say that they elect to start the season off. I think, you know, at this point, if they got a deal on the table in the next week, a beautiful day to start the season would be Jackie Robinson Day, April 15th. I think that would be a really, really good way to erase a lot of bad that has happened in the last couple of months. Um, also a bad trend that MLB has set in the last few years. Um, obviously with COVID, they couldn't do anything that season. There was no games in April, May, um, or a little bit of June, if I remember. Uh, but they've had a bad trend over the last few years where not every team plays on Jackie Robinson day and, you know, the next day they wear the 42, but it's, it's really not the same. Like it's not honoring the day the way that it should be. I think that would be a really good way for them to start up. But unfortunately, I feel like May 1st is a way more realistic day for them to start missing about 25 to 30 games and making the season 130 games this year. Um, so if that is the case, obviously the MLB players just kind of have to stay hot for right now. You know, the players union is hosting some sites down in Florida and Arizona for these guys to stay hot and work on their craft. And, you know, when the two sides are, you know, ironed out all the problems and are ready to roll, then the guys will be ready to roll, head right into camp, you know, a couple of days get everybody down there, like I said, and then they're saying three weeks for spring training. I think that's a good number. I think also in the future, maybe they, uh, I think what, there's a month of spring training that could probably stay the way it is. They might need to work on what they're going to do with 162 games and, you know, other stuff that they're talking about, I think are great, like the pitch clock and, um, have the pitch clock that are being talked about and the shift and a couple of other things. So um, yeah, I think if, you know, if they have the deal on the table and right, you just have to stay at those sites for a few more days and a 
few more weeks and then you're ready to roll. But let's just say that the worst comes to worst, right? And the season's canceled. Like, what do these guys do? Realistically, they can't. I mean, maybe a few of them could go overseas and, you know, but those rosters are already filled, like the NPB and the KBO. Those those rosters are ready to roll. Do we do we see like a Sandlot League come about where you know every couple of days you got about thirty guys at some random field in one of these warm area places, and you know just say you got Judge and a couple of you know guys on one side and. You know, just for example, right? You have Judge and you got like Correa and Altuve on one team. And, you know, they have their group of 15 guys. And then there's another group of 15. And just to keep the popularity of baseball up and to keep those guys hot, they could really, you know, there's a couple of guys who are good with the content, like Trevor Bauer and, uh, you know, uh, Blake Snell was really big on Twitch when COVID was 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 bad. Maybe those guys figure out a way for every few days. You know, they get out there. A couple of guys get some work, some at bats, whatever. Stream it, put it on TV, maybe even. Well, who knows what they're gonna do? But I think that would definitely be something that they would have to look into if you know this deal does not start to be you know ironed out i'd say by april 1st if you know they're not they're not after you know the last 10 days of them being together and then another three to four weeks of them being in new york and not getting anything done i think that's when the the players would really have to start thinking like okay this season might not happen so how do we stay hot for the next season how do we get our work in and i think that would be a good way to uh do that so a lot was said right there. Um, you know, it's like I said, it's really, really sad, and it will be really sad the more that games are postponed and canceled and hopefully I'm just praying that it's going to be 155 games, but it really does not seem too likely. Um, so let's get off of all those negative points and move to a very positive topic which is college basketball um a couple of those college conference tournaments in hoops are going down this week and finishing up uh tonight and tomorrow night um namely the missouri valley conference where murray state is really uh rounding into form they're 29 and 2 right now and ranks in the AP poll uh, at 22nd. Um, I believe tonight they will take on from the uh, St. Louis Enterprise Center. They have their championship game against ESPN. is so hard to scroll when there's 100 games going on. Um, They are set to play. Maybe I'll find it in the next five minutes. I mean, geez.
well, anyway, so we have Southern, we have the Southern Conference. They're getting their quarterfinals underway tomorrow. We have the Big South semifinals going on tomorrow. Um, we have the Sun Belt quarterfinals starting up tomorrow. The oh, I messed up my conferences right there. That's kind of embarrassing. The Missouri Valley Conference is Northern Iowa and Loyola Chicago. That is one semifinal tomorrow at 3 30. And I believe the next game is at six o'clock. And that's Drake and Missouri State. Um, we have the A Sun. So a bunch of these smaller conferences are finishing up their seasons this week. Uh, the Northeast Conference, where I go to Sacred Heart, so they got eliminated by LIU um, on Wednesday. And now uh, Butler will probably beat um, – Butler plays – let's see, I came to 6 o'clock. I'm sorry, ESPN is so hard to scroll. There are literally – 115 or 120 college basketball games tomorrow. Uh, Bryant plays Mount St. Mary, and then uh, Wagner plays LIU. I think both favorites will uh, advance in that, and then the championship will be held at Bryant, I believe, on Wednesday. Um, so all of those smaller conferences are finishing up their seasons this week. And then the regular season for the bigger conferences like the ACC, the SEC, Pac-12, Big Ten, Big 12 are finishing their regular season uh, over the weekend with their final matchup of the regular season. And then all of those tournaments start on Wednesday and Thursday. So this is the best time of the year, folks. Obviously, college basketball takes the main stage for a little bit um, in March and it really doesn't get its shine for much of the, the season otherwise, for whatever reason. I think, you know, obviously I've, I've watched the college basketball season pretty closely and recently with all of the uh, Harden stuff, and I've been getting back into the NBA a little bit. It's tough to watch, I feel like, in the regular season when not a lot of guys are playing defense and but there are some good teams, and I feel like with the NBA this this time around this year, there's not really like one favorite. I think on either side of the you know either conference. Uh, obviously, the Suns are in first and in the West, and they made the championship last, or they made the finals last year. So conventional wisdom would tell you that they're going to make it back this year. But there's a couple other good uh, Western Conference teams. And the East seems pretty wide open as well. So, you know, just in terms of talent, I think you can really tell how much better the NBA is from college. If you watch like, you know, a game side by side or, you know, you watch a college basketball game one night and then you watch the NBA the next. And that doesn't mean college basketball isn't an amazing product. I mean, and you've also had the brand of college basketball growing you know, with, you know, a lot of fun going on at these schools and some uh, court storming with, you know, I don't know if all of you guys are into bar stool stuff, but uh, 
Caleb Presley and uh, Adam Ferrone, two of their uh, bloggers and personalities, have this thing called the uh, Storm Chasers, where they pick out a game that they're going to go to, and it's usually an unranked home opponent uh, hosting a um, ranked opponent and they're hoping that the team that's home is going to win and that the kids will storm the court after the game and you know they've had a couple of games just this week where they have gotten it right and they almost had another one Mississippi State had Auburn third ranked Auburn uh, in Starkville and that game went to overtime Mississippi State had a chance to win it in regulation but the shot didn't go down and then you know what happens when underdogs go into uh, go into overtime in college basketball. They don't win too often. Uh, we had a great game last week uh, between Wisconsin and Purdue that came down to the wire. Wisconsin was winning the whole way. And then all of a sudden in the last 10 seconds, Purdue made a run. And Purdue hit a three late that tied it up. And it looked like it was going to OT until Wisconsin sophomore Chucky Hepburn hit a step back three off the glass at the buzzer to win. I mean, those, those, that type of stuff with the court storming and with, you know, all the students there that take it so serious and it really becomes, you know, college football, like I said, it, it gets, it gets its flowers the whole season. Every Saturday is all about college football. And then, you know, college basketball really just has, this month and you know not people don't necessarily don't even tune in for this week and the next week which are really awesome they're really just tuned in for march madness when it's you know all on the national broadcast uh all on the national broadcast on cbs and tbs and whatever other channels they have so uh yeah, I feel like college basketball is such a great product. It doesn't get the attention that it should for four months out of the year. And then obviously you see what happens in March. I mean, it is absolutely crazy. You know, we've seen already a lot of upsets. Uh, one team that has been particularly hot on the upsets has been TCU. Um, TCU has been hot. They have another game tomorrow or today, excuse me, because this pod will be going out at, it looks like 6 a.m. or so, uh, Saturday, March 5th. They have a game later um, where they will be looking to go into another place and getting a big win before the Big 12 tournament starts on Wednesday. I believe that TCU is playing... at... They really need to make a something different about this app so it's easier to see. I mean, it, oh, they do have a search bar on the top left. TCU played Kansas, and they beat Kansas, and that was one of the games that the Barstool guys were at for their court storm. Uh, tomorrow, they go into Morgantown to play Bob Huggins' uh, Mountaineers. West Virginia's favorite in the game, but I think that's just because it's March and they're home and 
conventional wisdom would tell you that TCU has to get cold from this little spell where they have had their winning at, uh, excuse me, they beat Kansas. I don't know how Big Ten had the schedule like this. Maybe it was a COVID cancellation. TCU played Kansas at TCU and won by 10 on Tuesday of this week. And then they almost did it again to them uh, at Allen Fieldhouse, a four-point loss on Thursday. I don't know. Like I said, I have no idea how that schedule is like that. Um, Hosted Texas Tech. I watched this game a couple uh, last Saturday. And they beat Texas Tech, ninth-ranked Texas Tech. They had a close game with Texas. So this team is getting hot at the right time. Um, So you just have stuff like this where, you know, you would think you know what's going to happen in college basketball, and then March happens. And all of a sudden, everything goes out the window, records go out the window, and it's 40 minutes of hoops. And you never know what's going to happen, what team's going to come out on top. So uh, what I want to talk about real quick is I obviously gave a general outlook just there on conference championship weeks. Uh, I will be going. I know I mentioned at the beginning of the pod, I'll be going to the ACC quarterfinal in Brooklyn on Thursday. I will get to see my UNC Tar Heels play as they have locked up the three seed, I believe. So even if they lose tonight at Duke for Coach K's last game, I think the worst they could be is four. Um, I'm, I'm like 99% sure they're locked into three. Um, one thing I want to talk about is two or three teams that are a good bet to take, um, for the national championship. Um, and the reason why I want to give this out is there's a little trend that happens in college basketball, where if you go back and look at the January AP top 10, you will find that I believe if you go back like 20 years, 18 of the last 20 champions were ranked in the top 10 in the last week of January. Um, Also, uh, KenPom.com, Ken Pomeroy rankings are usually pretty good to follow in terms of picking out a team to take for your national champion. And obviously next Sunday is selection Sunday. I'm going to probably talk about it a lot more in the next episode. Um, So you can go back and look at that stuff and match it with some efficiencies. I believe the stat is that you also have to have a top 40 or top 25 efficiency on both sides of the ball. Um, And you can usually pick out the good teams. Now, I don't actually recommend taking it just at this point, right? So it's March 5th. Like I said, these teams are playing the last game of the regular season. And then the uh, conference championship is next week. And then selection Sunday. Um, Sometimes... There's so many good teams in college every year, and this year is no different. Sometimes you get a tough side of your bracket, and 
the value is really not there to take it now. You really want to wait until you see, okay, this bracket looks good for this team. And these matchups are good for this team. So um, I'm going to go back to the January AP top 10. And I'm just going to read out those 10 teams. And then I'm going to choose the two that I like the best. Um, So let's see. If this is going to be easy to find, it is January 31st, 2022. AP Top 10 rankings were number one, Auburn, number two, Gonzaga, number three, UCLA, number four, Purdue, number five, Kentucky, number six was University of Houston, Arizona was seven, Baylor was eight, Duke was nine, and Kansas was 10. I also want to mention a couple of teams that did not make it in the top 10 that I feel like are worth talking about. Um, 11 was Wisconsin. 12 was Villanova. Um, 14 was Texas Tech. I know that I just mentioned them losing to TCU a couple of days ago, but just because you lose in late February and March to a team that isn't as good as you. I don't think that necessarily means much unless you start to see it being a trend where, you know, they aren't coming out and playing well. You know, they're beating teams because they're a lot better than them at home by a small margin just because, you know, it's tough to win on the road in college basketball. Um, and Providence, a team that I – there's been a lot of disrespect about Providence this year. People saying that they're a lucky team, um, that they've gotten, you know, that they've, they, I think their record is 13 and one or something like that in games that are decided by five points. Uh, it may have just went to 13 and two because they lost by a close margin to Villanova at Villanova the other day. Um, they're a team that's not really getting respected too much. They were a 10-point underdog in that game. I know that Villanova's home, but that one didn't really seem like much sense to me. Um, and one more team that I'll mention is UConn because uh, even as much as I don't like them, Danny Hurley is an amazing coach. That team I saw uh, play Seton Hall a couple of weeks ago at Gamble, um, and they seem like they could be a tough team to uh, roll as like, you know, just say you're, for example, Gonzaga has a one seed and UConn slots in at the four and that's your matchup in the Sweet 16. Now, uh, Gonzaga has had a great year and I'm not saying that they'll definitely lose to UConn, but UConn is going to be a tough, tough out in March. Um so obviously I said, you know, just about the AP top 10. And if I had to choose two teams out of that ranking, I would go with Gonzaga and I would go with Duke. Now, no, let me switch that. As much as I do like the Duke roster, I saw Arizona play the other night, Sunday night, against um, who did they play? USC. So USC in this ranking was 19 and i believe last night or sunday night when i saw them play 
They were 16. Um, and Arizona absolutely whipped them up and down the court. They were playing in a dead sprint. They were getting dunks. They were shooting the three. And this was a USC home game. And Arizona won by 20 points. And it was never close, not once. USC didn't even lead to nothing. Arizona scored the first basket and they went wire to wire and it wasn't even close. After seeing that, seeing a team that that, you know, it's tough, like I said, to go on the road and win. Like it's tough, you know, loud student section. Uh, you have to fly into, you know, the other state or city or wherever it is, sometimes bus, depending on how close it is, you know. UCLA and USC play, there's obviously no, no flight, you know, going from one side of LA to the other. So, uh, and that game actually is happening tonight, a rematch where USC took the first matchup at their home uh, court. So they have to figure that UCLA will get their revenge tonight, but um, it's tough to go on the road and Arizona went on the road and absolutely had a statement game. After they went to Colorado and lost to Colorado at Colorado, which, like I've been saying, tough to go elsewhere and win, and especially when you have to take altitude into uh, account. So we'll talk a lot more about college basketball um, over the next pod or two. Um, Once a week is what I'm starting out on, so we'll have to – think that maybe I'll try to record Sunday morning or hmm. see it's going to be weird here with with a selection Sunday Um, maybe I do right after selection Sunday do my bracket with you guys I feel like I'm going to have to come up with some entertaining stuff I know I wasn't maybe that entertaining today. And I talked a lot about, um, you know, some stuff, you know, just a lot of getting stuff off my chest about the MLB and about, you know, how I've started the pod and all that stuff. And then, you know, I just went over a general outlook of college basketball before it takes over our lives for the next month. Um, I did have a couple of other things written down here about the NFL Combine. Uh, Kyler Murray dropped a uh, statement over the week saying that he wants to be the quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals through his agent. And the font was so hilariously small that like no one even read it. I honestly only read there was like one part in the middle where it said like one, I want to be the long term quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals. And it was like two and said something else. That was the only thing I even saw on the whole page. Like whatever graphic guy decided that that was okay to put out uh, should probably no longer have a job doing that. Um, That's like the number one thing that they taught us when we were working with InDesign in class at at Sacred Heart was like, if you're going to put words on a page, they better be able to read it. And I can tell you that the only thing people were talking about with Kyler Murray outside of what is he doing? Because I mean, listen, Arizona is also a little bit of a weird spot here because 
they were the same team that got rid of Josh Rosen after one year. And now they have signed their GM and their coach to extensions after this season and not the quarterback. It doesn't look good for them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not all blaming this on Kyler Murray. He did have a good season for most of the season. And then he kind of fell off and as did the Arizona Cardinals. And they ended up getting absolutely whacked in the uh, wild card game against the eventual Super Bowl champion Rams. Um, so a lot to happen there. Um, the combine had a couple of bad uh, unofficial 40 times that were uh, off by like 0.7 and 1.2 seconds, which is like almost like impossible. Um, that's like really, those are really bad mistakes. I mean, Chris Olave going from 426 to 439, like 439 is still really awesome. But four two six would have made him like go from a uh, you know a late round first to like a definite top fifteen pick. Um, so the combine is still going on, I believe. I think tomorrow might be the last day or today. As it's now five fifteen a.m. Um, for the, I'm a Jets fan, uh, Jets fan personally. I'm sure I've, I haven't mentioned that really that much because I haven't talked much about NFL at all. Um, they are in a great spot. I was talking to one of my friends, Dylan, tonight. I saw him out at a, uh, you know, in my town. A there we the middle school we went to has like a little tournament uh, last week of February into the first week of March. And uh, usually everybody goes back. Unfortunately, with COVID, it kind of wasn't the same this year. Um, but I saw him, and he's also a Jets fan, and he was excited. You know, the Jets have two top 10 picks. I believe we have, uh, like, four top 50 picks. Um, and we've just been, you know, keep pushing it back, pushing it back with all this draft value. And here we are. Now it's time. Uh, it looks like we, you know, I, I hate to say that we hit on the quarterback pick. Um, definitely seems like Zach Wilson is better than Sam Darnold at the very least. Um, he really showed after going out with injury in the Patriots game and then coming back a couple of weeks later. I think that that sitting out and watching and, you know, not being able to play almost it seemed like because it seems like Zach is a good competitor and wants to get the guys around him better. seems like he's a good leader. So there's a lot of good qualities with Zach, but sitting out and having a tough start to the season and then coming back, he looked a lot better. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. Now the unfortunate part is for Jets fans, we've had this story before. Um, Sam Darnold didn't look amazing in his fresh, uh, freshman year keys in his rookie year. Um, and then at the end of the season, um, I forget who they played, but one game specifically stands out to me. Uh, they played the Houston Texans uh, when Deshaun Watson was uh, still playing and J.J. Watt was there and pretty much still in his prime and Clowney was there and 
this was a good playoff team. I believe that year was the year that um, the Bills played the Texans in the wild card round. And then um, and then the Texans beat someone else, and then they made it to the AFC Championship, and they lost the Chiefs. I'm pretty sure this is the same season, but either way, the Houston Texans made the playoffs that year anyway. Um, and Sam Darnold almost brought the team to victory with the practice squad. Um, and he looked really good. Also, uh, in his second year, I believe, and I was at this game, we play the Packers. And once again, we have like uh, washed up Jermaine Curse was the best receiver on the field. And Deontay Burnett, who never played, is never going to play an NFL down again because he was a practice team player and was just Sam Darnold's teammate at USC, which is why he was on our team. He was lighting up with those guys against Aaron Rodgers. Took them, though, over time. Oh, Chris Herndon as well, who got traded to Minnesota and will never be good for them either because he's not a good NFL player. So he took all these bad NFL players against Aaron Rodgers and took them to overtime. And then uh, we had some tank specialists in the secondary for multiple seasons and Devontae Adams went on a post to right up the middle for like a 35-yard touchdown in overtime. But we've seen a young quarterback look good at the end of the season before in meaningless games and got the hopes up, and he had ended up not being great. So all we can really do is, unlike the last guy, put a bunch of talent around him and uh, hope that he flourishes with it. Um, so we'll see what happens with the NFL going forward. Um, believe free agency starts March 15th. So probably won't talk about NFL at all. Next episode, I think we'll do, we'll do like a bracket type episode. Talk about college basketball and what happened the week before, especially like I'm going to the Big East Championship of the Garden. I'm sure I'll have stories about that. Um, and we'll deal with NFL a little bit later on. Uh, I had a few things to talk about the NBA, but I think it would just be too much of a run-on episode if I talked about it now. Um, but I will say, like, one minute of things – uh, the Lakers suck right now. I'm a big LeBron James. Uh, I don't want to say apologist because I think that's the wrong word, but I'm definitely a LeBron homer. Um, you could do the LeBron goat debate. I've done it a million times in my life. I could do it all day, but I will say in the last, and it has nothing to do with his play on the court because I think at 37, you'll never see anyone do what he's doing right now. But um, I'm starting to rescind my take on the LeBron GOAT and more so leaning towards Michael Jordan. Um, 
just because of how good Michael Jordan was while like people were, I mean, him specifically were like drinking after games and like smoking cigars. I mean, I hate to say drinking before games, but like it is documented that Michael Jordan played drunk frequent, not frequently. I don't want to say frequently, but like that he would go out. I mean, there's one story specifically where he went out, played 36 holes of golf, drank the whole time, went out to the the game and had like a great game. And I, I just think that's that type of stuff is insane, right? Like, how could that be possible? How like to think that that type of stuff is only like 25 years in the past is pretty crazy. Um, so I've been debating that with myself recently and maybe, maybe I'll have Colin on and Colin and Ann on and we'll do, we'll do a good old Hardo Jordan LeBron debate because I used to be way on the LeBron side and I'm starting, starting to see it the other way. Um, and I, I still love LeBron. I think the only bad part really realistically about his career is the fact that he's kind of a bad GM. Like, he traded for Anthony Davis. I know that Anthony Davis was a really integral part of winning in the bubble in 2020, but he really stinks now, and he he doesn't play because he gets hurt all the time. Russell Westbrook has been really bad, and that was a LeBron move. Um, So I had a couple of other things written down. I'm not really going to talk too much about it. And beating Harden, I mean, James Harden literally tried to get himself traded to either Brooklyn or the 76ers uh, last season when he was with the Rockets and then didn't even last the whole season and then is now on the 76ers saying that he didn't want to be traded to Brooklyn where – if Kyrie could play at home without the vaccine mandate thing going on in New York, and if Kevin Durant wasn't hurt, and if they could all get on the court at the same time, I feel like it would have been a surefire championship, as much as I hate to admit it. Um, And he put himself on a team that was the one seed in the East last year, and obviously – Ben Simmons wasn't playing in Philly due to, you know, he cites mental issues, and I think you have to respect that. And I'm not 100% sure that it was all because of mental issues. I think he also just straight up did not like playing with Embiid towards the end there. Well, basically what it may, what it seems like to me is that Harden uh, – Harden, geez, it is late, fellas um, – it seems like Embiid was tough on Simmons while Simmons was going through a tough time off the court, which coincided with the playoffs. And then the Sixers lost, and everybody blamed Ben Simmons. And Ben Simmons is still a really good player. So I'm excited to see how both of those seasons end up for the Nets and the Sixers. I think that's a pretty – solid matchup to say that that would be the Eastern Conference Finals, but I think that would be 
disrespecting the abilities of Tatum and the Celtics, uh, DeMar DeRozan and the Bulls, although they've been on a little downtick lately. And um, also Giannis and the Bucks, the reigning reigning champions and the reigning MVP. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on with the association. Um, one thing that I will leave you guys on is that if you did not see the Suns Knicks game, please, please, please go on YouTube and watch the highlights of that game because UNC Tar Heel great Cameron Johnson just led the number one Suns in a comeback victory with 38 points and nine three-pointers over the Knicks. Um, I know the Knicks have had a tough go of it lately, and they're all the way down to 12th in the East. But, um, wow, I mean, talk about a kid having a coming out game. I mean, no no Chris Paul and no uh, Devin Booker for the Suns, which are the two best players on the team and the two ball handlers on the team. And here's Cam Johnson, who, as a UNC fan, respectfully to Cam, I thought he was a three-point shooter at best in the NBA. Like, you know, when he was drafted, I believe in the lottery by the Suns a couple of years ago, as a UNC fan, I was like, ooh, I don't know if he should have went that high. And for his entire career in the NBA so far, especially tonight, he has proved me wrong. Um, he has been everything and more. And tonight he was handling the ball. He was facilitating and he was an absolute knockdown shooter. I think I put out a tweet, uh, before when I was watching the game, there's nothing better in sports when like you're sitting there and someone's starting to get hot shooting and you're like, okay. Every time this guy gets the ball, I want him to put up a three. And it, and like when it leaves its hand, his hand, I really feel like it's going in. Like that's what happened with him tonight. And it is such a great thing to watch. It's something you feel like you're shooting the ball with the guy, like willing it in. It's awesome. Um, so that was a great game. I think it did show the NBA's problem of, uh, that they will tonight Julius Randle like bumped Cam Johnson in the middle of the third quarter and then words were exchanged and then Julius Randle pushed through the ref and pushed Cam Johnson as well and it ended up in a double tech one to Cam Johnson one to Randle for the scuffle and the bump and whatever. And then Randall got another technical, which resulted in ejection, obviously, for pushing him after. And I think, first of all, Randall's the best player on the team. Like, you, you want to do anything you can to avoid taking him off the court. But also, like, this was no malice the palace. Like, Julius Randle didn't like the way he get bumped by a guy 40 pounds lighter than him and turned around and, like, seeked him out. Like, how is Cam Johnson – what did Cam Johnson do? He talked a little bit of smack. It definitely seemed like on TV. But uh, 
I just don't understand throwing the guy out of the game and giving Cam Johnson a technical for playing some, you know, they were going after a board and the shot actually ended up going in. Um, And that's what was so great about the game is the Suns are down 15 and then all of a sudden Randall gets tossed and then Cam Johnson got hot. And then, you know, at the end of the game, there was a two point lead for the Knicks and Cam Johnson kind of like was in front of everybody in the front court uh, on like the, the last possession. And he kind of slowed down to make sure he got a good shot and banked it home for the win. So that was a really great watch on TV today. Um, and then later today, I will be at work personally, so I'm going to miss a lot of the games, unfortunately. But I believe tomorrow is going to be an amazing day in college basketball. Um, I'm really excited to see where everything goes with the end of the college basketball season. Um, And I'm also really excited to see where everything goes with this pod. I want to thank everybody that I thanked in the beginning again. Um, because you guys are all the best. Thank you guys, you know, for giving me inspiration to do this. Um, and just go out there and go be great, fellas. Uh, thank you very much. And I'll be back with another episode uh, on Selection Sunday. So That'll be about in a week from today. Selection Sunday is going to be an amazing day. Um, That's really the start of it all, right? Like I was saying before, not a lot of media, national media hype on college basketball like there is on college football uh, until all of a sudden it's Selection Sunday. And you know, the fellows are giving you the brackets, you know, Charles is up there talking and everybody's getting excited for, you know, the next three weeks. And I'm sure Charles will be really excited this year with Auburn uh, being in the top, top seed. I believe they'll end up in uh, barring something terrible happening to them, to them in the SEC tournament. So um, that's all for today. Uh, thank you guys very much once again for giving the first episode a listen. Um, and we'll be back on Selection Sunday with episode two. Thank you guys.